welcome to the PC Gamer UK podcast. My name is Sammy Roberts. I'm joined by Phil Savage. Phil has been on holiday. He's yeah. been doing holiday things, camping and such. How was that, Phil? Uh, I got sunburned and um, the the sea pushed me around. There's always sad. It's always sad when you get hideously sunburned, isn't it? <laughs> like um, there's a lady who serves me sausage rolls in Greg's who looks like I don't know what happened to her that she journeyed to the center of the sun in some kind of expedition, like in the film Sunshine. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it can it can definitely give uh, give off some bad. Yeah, it can ruin your week basically, can't it? Yeah, like um, so we got back from a little sea trip, and I was sunburned and had a little nap in the tent. And then I woke <laughs> up and I was shivering, and I thought it was because oh well, I'm in a tent, it's cold. It turns out shivering is one of the symptoms of like sunburn poisoning or something, <laughs> and you're meant to seek medical attention immediately. But I was in a tent in Cornwall, so I couldn't seek medical attention, so I just sort of dealt with it. You sort of wait, waited it out. I'm lucky to be alive, Sam. <laughs> Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you came back alive after being promoted. The yeah, first that thing that happens to you is you die of sunburn poisoning. Typical. Well, that's a, a good cautionary tale for you out there listening. Just stay indoors, play Use some games. That Baz Luhrmann song about using sun cream. That was, you know, he was on summit. <laughs> yeah, I sort of think the best piece of advice that that song imparts is the one about um, don't mess too much with your hair, or by the time you're 30 it'll look 85 or whatever that's very true like uh, I've got some friends who have dyed their hair loads and it becomes like really gristly and awful yeah. um, Baz knows what he's talking about mm. you know? although that uh, that uh, song is actually uh, based on an article that was written in, uh, in a newspaper um, that he just had read out over some music so yeah, yeah. man made millions from it what a genius. Wow. Anyway. Oh, wow. <laughs> really what a start of... to this podcast. <laughs> I apologize in advance. We are going to talk about some PC games. Um, okay, then, Phil. Let's start with uh, Guild Wars 2 Path of Fire, which yeah, is okay. the second expansion it Guild is. Wars 2. Yes. Um, no, it sounds like they've changed up the format of it a little bit in terms of, I mean, in terms of like as an expansion, you made it sound like it was a bit of a different deal to the first one. Well, Heart of Thorns, right? Uh, yes and no. Okay, so uh, Heart of Thorns was quite interesting in that it's primary job i think was to move guild wars 2 from you know what it was like this initial batch of stuff um into a game that could support expansions mm. um and i think for a lot of people the effect of that was there wasn't actually that much sort of stuff to the expansion i mean it was four zones and they were pretty big and quite intricate uh especially in the way that they laid out like this it was it was all forest environments and stuff, jungle environments, and so there were like multiple levels uh, of trees that you could climb and stuff like that. It was it looked very cool, um, but I don't think it took people that long to sort of rinse through it and think, oh, what what's next? Like if you compare that to one of World of Warcraft's expansions, World of Warcraft tends to, you know pump loads of stuff into each expansion mm. and then the big difference between the two games is like guild wars 2 eventually heart of thorns now if you buy the expansion you get access to about 10 zones because six of them were added over the course of their like story update things right. each story update and at this point they're on a sort of couple of month cycle um adds a fairly big new zone with some like new systems and new things to do mm. which is pretty cool um so with that set up and all of that work done, Path of Fire, instead of being like a big new, like, oh, we're going to change up the features, we're going to change up how Guild Wars 2's works, what they're doing is they're just adding to each of the features Heart of Thorns introduced. Mm. And that means they can focus purely on just being like what they call a content. I'm doing air quotes around content because it's a loathful word. It but is, yes. A content expansion. So um, 
actually, apparently, it's only launching with, I say only, it's launching with five new zones, which okay. doesn't seem like a big increase over Heart of Thorns is four, but it's, it, we're in a different area of the world. It's a place called the Crystal Desert, and being a desert, it's big and open, and it's going to have lots of stuff in it. Okay. Uh, and big, large areas. They're saying, like, the areas sort of in terms of their size are bigger than all 10 zones of Heart of Thorns and, like, the new Season 3 zones that they added, um, which is significant, although size is a weird... It's always a weird metric of judging. Oh, well, yeah, because it's of those, more about It's like, like how densely stuff. packed is it and that sort of thing, like... So, like, how do they kind of... Um, if these are kind of deserty zones, how do they sort of differentiate them or make it so it's not just a flat landscape? Um, with fantasy bullshit. Okay. Uh, sorry, I'm being facetious. <laughs> <laughs> it will be very pretty fantasy bullshit. But, you know, <laughs> I, I was talking to, like, um, the art designers and stuff, and they were like, yeah, we've got all the desert types. We've got uh, toxic, branded... Um, crystal Oasis and it's like thing. those aren't actual desert types <laughs> these are just things you've made up but that's <laughs> fine um, yeah they're, they're like so I've not actually seen much of it what I did see it's the uh, opening zone which I think is called Crystal Oasis okay. um, I should say actually Path of Fire is set because uh, this Crystal Desert is actually a location from the original Guild Wars so it's sort of it's an area that is known within lore and to people who played the original Guild Wars which admission i did not but it's there but it's like 250 years later hmm. so there's one of the towns you visited in um guild wars uh and it's just this little outpost and within this in, in path of fire it's now this big city and it's full of things to do um they've got a new bounty system which is a new way of doing sort of event quests and things like that it was pretty cool um so the opening zone is very sort of trad deserty it's like very sandy and you know there's the rocky area and the sandy area and a city area and a bit of farmland and stuff like that you know there is like pockets of variety out there mm. but sort of as you push over i think like the magic side of guild wars's world will take over and they can probably do some fairly cool things yeah like this is a section of the world where um a the branded dragon branded is some sort of corrupting crystal purple stuff right flew over the world and scarred it oh, so there's God. just some cool purple shit okay. there'll be a cool purple shit zone basically okay well fair enough i mean that'll be nice oh a lot of that sounds like hard work to me maybe it's just i'm not much of an mmo guy or because i'm not probably and the wars trouble 2. with me talking about guild wars is because i've played guild wars 2 like fairly significantly on and off over the last few years yeah a lot of its concepts are just kind of second nature to me <laughs> Um, yeah, I, they I probably suppose... sound like nonsense when you're explaining them. No, it's fine. And like this, is, but this is an MO with a pretty good reputation in terms of how it looks, right? And how it yeah, plays, I mean, it, it is like even now, like uh, when did it launch? Probably 2013, 2012, 2013, yeah. something like that. When it launched, like it was pretty stunningly beautiful, and I mean, it still looks pretty good. Hmm. Um, I mean, you could put it against certain Korean MMOs, like which a lot of them do seem to dull in on graphical fidelity. Hmm. Um, probably to hide the fact that there are no there's no actual systems there right beyond just grinding but um in terms of like the aesthetic and like the stylistic and even if it's not like the highest fidelity anymore it is a very good looking game um so yeah i've got you know i imagine the art team will be able to make it more than just boring desert stuff yeah i'm sure so this is is this the sort of thing that you wanted from a Guild Wars to expansion? Do you think that's the right direction for for the game? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure what I wanted because 
I think it's what a lot of Guild Wars fans are interested in, like looking at the reaction. There's usually a lot of negativity to uh, Guild Wars 2 posts, not necessarily to the community, but just to how people view that game, mm. especially because I think a lot of people, um, a lot of Guild Wars, the original hardcore fans, they just do not like the sequel much because it does change a lot of things. It, it's become more of an MMO. It's not quite the same uh, in terms of combat and stuff like that. Yeah, first one isn't really considered an MMO, right? No, I guess it's more of a Destiny type thing. Right. Oh, you didn't put caffeine on, Sam. I did, though, Phil. Oh, no. I did. I definitely did. Anyway, while Sam checks the Mac to make sure that we are still recording a podcast... Look, it's right there. It is right there. Uh... Anyway... So yeah, I'm not sure entirely what I wanted. I didn't really have any like major expectations. I think just having a big chunk of new stuff is that is a fine way to go. Yeah. And within that, they're trying some new things. So like, I guess the big the big new feature, the thing that you can say, oh, this is you know something that we've not seen before is mounts, mm. uh, which MMOs do tend to have. Um, it's just, you know, if you're not familiar with the game, you might be thinking, well, how did it get four years into more shit uh yeah six years into its life cycle without having mounts but it's a game where it's not really about journeying to places unlike say world of warcraft where you've actually got to physically move to uh between zones and take transport and stuff like that it is um you can teleport anywhere in the world for basically one or two silver which you know if you've played it for 30 minutes you'll have more than enough of that to travel wherever you want so it's more about the kind of novelty of owning them i guess or having them um well actually it's more um so the it, again it is there is a parallel with the heart of thorn system heart of thorns introduced gliders because they were pushing the again air quotes verticality of that those areas um mm. so you've got hang gliders and you could just sort of glide around over these air swells you know it's standard video game mechanics remember that bit in assassin's creed 2 oh it's when fire makes you go where higher. fire makes you go up <laughs> yeah sort of like that but it's just like weird pillars of wind that makes you go up well, zelda's got a bit of that well, yeah. maybe they're inspired by it i don't know I, I, if you could buy a switch in this country sam i would know <laughs> that but you can't but, so but yeah i guess any <laughs> gliding systems have had this for a long time yeah. right um, so that was a cool, and like people really enjoyed it. And it, it was one of those things where, when it launched, um, you could glide in the Heart of Thorn zones, but you couldn't glide anywhere in like in the original zones because they hadn't been designed for gliders. Uh, and it was just really weird. Like uh, multiple times, I would jump off a cliff in a zone that was part of the original game, and then remember I couldn't deploy my glider there and plummet to my death. And eventually, ArenaNet just sort of relented and said, eh, just glide in the old zones. You're right, okay. So that was cool. Uh, and the, the, so mounts are doing sort of the same thing. They're not so much about the speed boost, um, which is, you know, what a mount's traditional purpose. They are more about specific traversal mechanisms. Uh, so the one I got to play with when I played it a couple of weeks ago was uh, the Raptor, and it has... It just jumps a long distance, which lets you, you know, clear larger areas. And all the things you'd expect a thing that can jump far can do. <laughs> right, okay. But there's also one that they describe as a cross between a rabbit and a kangaroo. Again, it's going to be some fancy nonsense. Okay. Uh, and that can jump high. Uh, there is a floaty one that can skim over water. And there is a sand jackal wolf thing with rocks attached to it that can blink um, and can chain blinks so that you can use the mouse to sort of turn at 90 degree angles like on a dime and right. navigate around various obstacles like that. Yeah. Uh, so they'll, like 
you can expect there to be jumping puzzles and things that will make use of each of these mounts' specific abilities. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just it's a cool system. It's like the hang glide system where it is just a new interesting traversal mechanism, uh, but there's four of them instead of just one. So I'm actually quite excited about that because I do like fun traversal mechanisms. Just in case I missed this, like, and they get added to all of the existing zones of the game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they're not even I'm mean, ignoring about it this time. Like, there will be a couple of zones, and there is with Hanglies already, where like they are designated as no mount zones. There'll probably be a little sign added to the world that will have like a mount with a cross through it, just to say you sort of you can't bring a mount here because it would ruin what we were trying to do with the experience. Yeah. Um, you won't be able to take mounts uh, into instances that already exist. Like, you can't go into, like, a story instance from the base game and expect there to be mounts there. Yeah. Uh, or uh, the World v. World or PvP, like, combat modes. But other than that, yeah, that'll be anywhere. And each mount ha also has um, this really cool thing called a disengage skill, whereas, like, traditionally, like, you know, you're on your mount, you're running up, there's a pack of enemies, you have to get off the mount, do the fight, whatever. Mm there is each mount has a way to transition directly into the fight so the raptor has this sort of leap this um jumping tail swipe attack yeah uh, and you do that and you're instantly off the mount and you're just into the fight and everything's engaged and it's ready it's quite just like a cool action way to do it it sort of keep fits in well with is quite a fast-paced combat system okay all right so yeah i'm looking forward to that for sure that sounds, and, that sounds fairly like a fairly Big chunk of stuff and significant overhauls to the game. I got to spend a couple of hours tooling around the map, but it wasn't necessarily the best situation to do it in because it's an MMO, and a lot of what is good about Guild Wars is sort of how these ad hoc kind of groups form to do the events and the event chains that are happening and do these big events. And we were just a room of 10 to 20 people um, all going off in our own direction and not really able to coordinate to... Uh, do the stuff so it was actually quite hard to get a sense for how a map will play out when there's a full <laughs> sorry <laughs> so a, many distractions a, apologies if you uh, if you if you can hear some random fucking buttons being pressed in the background we have no idea what that is but it's very is loud. that a speakerphone it sounds like it but or they're playing um, like uh, on one of those what they called machines the ones that they like the MIDI machines to create MIDI music oh of course anyway <laughs> yes. uh, let us carry on um, um, yeah yes yeah, so it's hard to get a sense just yet about how it'll all play out but actually it, it's not far off release as well oh really um Day of this the, year uh september 22nd the game the, the expansion will be out uh then and there's a public demo of what i saw um during the event uh including like the open world zone and that on august something i want to say 11th to 13th okay. it's in the post we've put on the website i wrote for the website yes all the okay. information is in there but yeah. um yeah, I'm quite excited, and it's sort of worth checking out. I mean, if you've not played the original Guild Wars 2, that is now, the base game is now free. It has been since Hearts of Thorns. Oh, it sucks, because I bought the base game at some point <laughs> with the intention of playing it in a sale. Yeah. And then I uh, didn't, and now I... You wouldn't have even had to. Now, you, you do have to buy the expansions. That's its model now. The base game is free, but if you want an expansion, that's, that's where you've got to put down the dough. But that's still a very generous slice of game. Yeah, right? I mean, like, that is a huge chunk of game, and there's a lot of cool stuff there. Um, that is... Yeah, it's worth checking out. It's a, just a very, a very generous, interesting um, take on MMO design. So not to pry too much into your personal life, but interesting. I, <laughs> where's this going? Mm. I understand that you um, you used to play Guild Wars two a bit more as a kind of form of interacting with your girlfriend, right? Uh, yeah, um, yeah, when we weren't 
living together um, when we were on a long distance uh, mm -hmm. thing, then that was like a very good way of playing. It's like how uh, a lot of me playing Destiny now is just like an excuse to catch up with a friend from back in Manchester mm, yeah. for, from when I was living there. It's like, yeah, these sorts of um, fairly frictionless online games yeah. where like, I mean, half of your attention is diverted by the game and the other is just sort of you're having a chat and sort of catching up with people. Hmm, interesting. Uh, yeah, Guild Wars 2 fits in that very well. So do you find that you play it a bit less now that you don't have that factor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now there is less... Like, um, we do still jump in every now and again and play, but it's kind of weird. It's like, do we get on Skype? Mm. Or do we just shout at each other from the other room? <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, we'll go on Skype. And But it's, and it's strange. Yeah, <laughs> It's course. strange having to play a thing when you're both in the same house. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Okay, cool. So um, the other game we're going to talk about, Phil... Um, because we haven't played a lot online. recently. Uh, me and Phil have been meaning to play Tacoma. We haven't got round to that yet. So yep. uh, neither of us feel comfortable delivering an opinion on it either way. I camera... bought Pyre last night but didn't play it because I ended up playing the Sexy Brutale based on your recommendation from last episode. But yes. you recommended that last episode. Which so is a very strong recommendation, I feel. Mm, um, yeah, no, it's, it is worth... I can reiterate it's worth checking out. But... Yeah, Andy seemed to really enjoy it as well. Um, he's played it since the the episode was recorded so mm. uh, yeah yeah i think i've i think i've sold that game to at least three people which excuses my guilt for playing it on the press account so i feel, <laughs> I, I feel less bad about that now um but yeah so the other game we're talking about is gta online yeah the, uh, floppy appendage to gta 5 that makes hundreds of millions of dollars for rockstar and why not mm. it's uh like it's it's very much become my it's the only mmo i've really got into um and i think that's because the theme of it actually appeals to my sensibilities. There's right. no dragon that flew over the land to create a corrupted land of crystals and darkness. <laughs> well, I thing is, I, I've played games with plenty of lore <laughs> and nonsense. Yes. But um, it's more that, like, um, my tolerance for that sort of thing, I can only play, like, one or two of those games a year, really. Okay. And they end up being Bioware games. Um, that have a definitive end as well. Yeah. Yes, yes. In fact, I don't think I can name any other fantasy RPGs that haven't been made by Bioware that I've played and enjoyed. Like you know, I've played a bunch of RPGs by Obsidian that weren't fantasy, like mm. um, your uh, you know Kotor twos and your uh, your Fallout New Vegas and the like. Um, but yeah, uh, GTA Online is really it kind of kind of gets you. Like I mean, you don't have there's no monthly fee for it, nope. so they're basically it's basically a microtransaction supported free to play MMO that's not yeah. Free -to -play. Again, <laughs> it's only sort of loosely an MMO. Um, yeah, yeah. But I suppose, it, is it like, um, how is it, I guess one person player hosts a service, it's not really... Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how that works. Yeah, me neither. I actually. assume there's a player hosting like the main instant, the, the world, but maybe I assume not. that's why it's so easy to hack, isn't it? Possibly, yeah. That would know. make sense. Maybe that would make sense. I don't know. We've definitely had like several instances of like meeting hackers, right? But there are definitely hackers in it, whether that is because like whoever's hacking is, you know, the 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 client side kind of yeah, it's basis set, for that it? or yeah it's it is maybe Rockstar just need to up their anti cheat game I don't know yes yeah, it's, it's a it's a tough one but do you remember recently when we were both flying in a helicopter and then like an explosion just sort of randomly happened behind us yeah and like that that there were no players nearby and it seemed like I don't know. It's not I like... think there was in the end. There was that guy in the helicopter. I think I've located the source of that explosion. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I'm just because um, then speaking. we tormented him for about. Is that the time you're thinking? Are you talk. Are you thinking about the time last time where we hunted that guy yes. in those hills? No, no, no. The time oh, okay. before, after we did that, um, 
mission in the train tunnels and we came out oh shit yeah yeah and the helicopter just got hit by random explosions and we didn't know why mm. there was no one nearby and we couldn't work out where it's coming from and then the helicopter just went down there weren't like rockets we could avoid they were just it was just exploding. yeah like i think it's possible to call in airstrikes or something but surely the targeting of that would be way too specific to <sighs> yeah. smash into us th- yeah that- us right in the back of the chopper yeah, yeah. um so yeah i'm I mean, you know i've you've had instances where didn't you bet quite a lot of money on a race yeah the, then- um so they introduced uh, along with like the crazy stunt stuff they did where it's like all tracks in the air and that yeah. uh, they introduced a concept called premium races where you actually do one of those races but you bet uh, you know a, a chunk of money like twenty five thousand on the outcome and you you know win a bunch back if you win i thought ah, i'll give it a go i've got some spare money yeah uh and went in there and yeah there was a guy just teleporting across the track Fuck and it was it just out. like well that was a waste of money and time. yeah it's a shame because you go into every server thinking will this happen and yeah you don't uh, want that experience, yeah like you know? it, uh, probably about 50 percent of servers public servers i've gone in they've had somebody acu- at least accuse somebody of hacking yeah it's one of those things where i think it was it Either it is so prevalent or it was so prevalent that I like if anything out of your expectation happens, that's kind of where your mind goes immediately. Yeah. And that's not a good place for an online game to be in. No, it's a shame because it, it sort of spores what's actually a very... Otherwise very good, yeah. Yeah, not to mention the ways in which it likes to waste your time by making you travel across the map endlessly. Yeah, um, or the inevitable 30 minutes we have to spend every time we first play it where we just try and figure out how to invite everybody into the same server get everybody everything loaded and all of that yeah like just sort of the matchmaking of it i mean fair enough it takes ages to load that world that is a massive world Mm. and it's and it looks it looks amazing even online but god damn it like having to drive get into your apartment leave your apartment go and meet your friends in their apartment Mm -hmm. uh and like just the weight it takes to get onto gta online generally just means that every game is like that and then you start a mission you have to go somewhere to start a mission normally um then go to the place where that mission's taking place and that that can be about like 30 to 40 yeah they've time. got they've got a lovely kind of trick for if you take a mission in the city you'll have to go out to like blaine county to yes and if you, you know if your club if your motorcycle clubhouse is in blaine county expect to go to the city for every mission yeah and i don't know why they do that it's very I, I mean i assume a lot of it is because um they seem to have moved away from like the whole instanced mission heist thing because right. uh, they, they launched with a bunch of instant missions they still are there but they it's only rarely now that they introduce like new quest lines um i think however long ago it was they did some low rider updates they did a whole quest chain with uh Lamar? yes yeah that's his name um but other than that there hasn't been much a lot of that game now seems tailored towards making you play in the open world yeah, which uh, which I, I guess they the, the the point is like by making you drive a long distance, it increases the chance some shit will happen with another player, and you'll get into it a bit. Yeah, which can happen. Yeah, but it can also. Well, I mean, this is why I guess the option to create a private server exists. Yeah, it true. can also just you want to do a mission and just be left the fuck alone. Um, and they, and they, you know, obviously it, it is funny from their point of view to just come in uh, with like a helicopter and start attacking you, mm. but. It might be that they've just blown up the vehicle you were using to do a mission and you have to now go find another one or, you know. Yeah, you very 
you very much got to be in the mood for outside interference. Yeah. And I think there's tension there with sometimes you just kind of want to dick about with your friends. Yeah. Uh, and it struggles a bit when you just want to do co-op and not like the full multiplayer thing. And like we and we, we faced a, a moment where that happened to us. And then we were like, should we create a private server? And we thought it wasn't worth the wait. Exactly. To have to start all again in all of our respective apartments and go and meet again <laughs> and go and find the vehicles again. It's not worth it. Um, and it's a shame. Like I, I've seen there are some reasons they have to do those things to make the game work but there are many online games with better matchmaking options more forgiving uh checkpointing when it comes to missions and i do wonder how much of like gta online success has been a surprise to rockstar like just its sheer level of success like so much of that game at this point feels like it didn't have a strong plan for expansion Hmm. when it launched um, like it was a very set s- sort of series of systems and then every new system seems slightly more awkwardly bolted on like every new yeah like the the, the weird overlap between CEO and biker and gangs. biker gang and the way that like even doing the same things like setting them up happened or accepting an invite from one or another happens to different bits of the phone menu and yeah. stuff like that and it just seems like it's getting a bit awkward at this stage and it's like it gives me a lot of hope for red dead redemption online because i think you know build it from the ground up based on what you now know gta online is yeah and that can sort probably sort out a lot of the problems and make everything a little bit smoother i thought red dead redemption online was better than gta online like oh um, you mean the original idea yeah because they're doing it like a big a a big gta online style mode for rdr2 but yeah you didn't have the persistence really or the um or the like you know owning property and stuff mm, like that yeah, you yeah, did yeah. level up by better weapons and there were these like instance missions that happened throughout the world yeah they, added, the... they added like specific co-op stuff in didn't they as yeah. well as and, and, but, yeah yeah just thinking i think from my perspective like red dead redemption's world i think is a little I, I enjoy existing in it a bit more than i do gta's like gta's world is beautiful and stuff but uh, in, in its own kind of way, and the, the, the online mode seems to have like weather effects and certain stuff happening that wasn't in the. So sometimes you can look at like Los Santos and think, "Wow, I've never seen this city looking like this before." Yeah, and yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, so that, that's where they add snow at Christmas and stuff mm. like that, which I've still not seen, but I'd love to see. Um, but yeah, that fog effect was just incredible. Um, but I do find Red Dead's whole Western thing to be a bit more evocative. So I did just enjoy being like on the map in the. Yeah, I mean, there weren't a huge amount of things to do in the open world section of Red Dead. Yeah, it seemed no, like a lot of mini games. A lot of it was pushing you more towards the instant stuff, which was fair enough. Like mm. you know, but um, it's got. I can't. I can't argue with the amount of stuff it's got, and the, mm. and the things they've added. Like they're all they're all sort of like the CEO stuff, the bike stuff, are all like almost full fledged expansions in terms of like adding new things to do, or like the recent gun running stuff. Yeah. But like, um, but not quite of the quality that you'd pay like six ninety nine to play them. No, you know what I mean, or like no, a tenner sure. to play them. Like they're all fairly rough, repetitive strands of missions that you're basically doing to get enough money to buy X or. Yeah, I think that's the problem now. Is like everything is a restrictive amount of money enough that it seems geared towards a grind. A grind, or you just buy those shark cards. Which or exactly, yeah. Or yeah. you buy some shark cards because like. The most, I guess, my most effective way of making money now is like I get on, I make sure my gun running stuff is supplied, then I join a bike gang or a CEO, and we just grind out some of those missions for a bit, and then I go back to the gun running stuff and yeah, top up again. And it's just like now, mm, having finished the heist, now 
uh, everything is sort of just about waiting for progress bars to fill up. Yeah, and I'm enjoying it because I'm enjoying Mm. being in that world with you and Tom Hatfield, who we're playing it with. But I don't know if I want to do that forever. And I'd like to. It'd be nice to know there was some other thing you could work towards. You know, this is it. Like the the I think yeah, the way missions are laid out and like the rewards for them and stuff like that. Like that is there are real problems there. But um, like what works is some of those missions are still good because of what they kind of so we have a mission that we've been continually trying to get right where you've got to steal a rhino tank from the military base this is one of the sort of ceo open world missions that you could that you can launch yeah uh, and how many times have we attempted this now we tried that F- five, least, probably five yeah yeah um to the point where you know, the last time we did it, we were we attempted the tactic of uh, getting was it you in the armored car? Yeah, there's an armored car that we lo- we lowered in with a helicopter with the magnetic hook. Yeah, with the is whatever it's called, the chinook basically yeah. with the two blades. So I could airlift you in your car into the military base, drop you so the military can't shoot you because you're in the armored car. Yeah, you drive to the tank, get it out, and then I was going to try and pick you up in the chinook while you were in the tank and just fly out because our major problem is getting the tank from the base to the drop-off location but, without blowing up. But the bit that bit with the bit with the armored car and being dropped in actually worked really well. Yeah, that was that because there's that no was one, flawless. There's no easy way to get that into the base and it was just like it's dropped off. I drove into the hangar and then I was in the tank immediately. Mm. That was great. That was good. The bit where it all fall, fell apart <laughs> was I couldn't then pick the tank up with the <laughs> with with my helicopter, which was either yeah. uh, because you can't do that or because I was bad at doing it. Yeah, and then once I did get out of the base, I had my recurring problem, which might be my modem, but I can't really be sure, where mm. I get kicked out of GTA Online once on the hour every hour, yeah. which didn't happen on Sunday when we were playing it, but then did happen on Monday because... That's... At a crucial tank moment. Yeah, which mm. is very annoying. But like... um. Yeah, so it really feels like it, it, it tests your kind of social media. Yeah, there, yeah. There, there is the potential for some really good experiences there, but yes, it really makes you work for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with patience and like you know, just wasted time more than anything else. Yeah, and it's not that. Um, I found that when we were having that shootout with that guy in the uh, Vinewood Hills, it, I found that like the shooting doesn't feel that precise really mm. when you're in the open world. Like it feels like. Um, Maybe it's just a bit of lag, but it felt like there was a lot of lag in just trying to pin down where someone was and landing a sniper shot. And that's, I don't know, that's not something I get when I play online usually. And that's, I don't know, maybe that's just a byproduct of the world being as complicated yeah. as it is. But yeah, yeah, it's not the smoothest, but it does still offer something that no other game does, right? Yeah. Like those t- that, that tank mission, regardless of whether we did it or not, was incredibly exciting in the run up. Yeah, it's one of those missions that we felt multiple times, but it doesn't really like quell our uh, efforts to do it again it was like okay well it's not like oh fuck we've got to do the same thing over again and try and just make it this time it's like okay well what solution can we come up with this time because you've got the full GTA sandbox there at your disposal yeah which is very cool I think the, I think the solution Phil is that you drop off the Chinook next to either a, a plane or a helicopter military helicopter then you and uh, Hatfield go outside to the streets while I drive the tank out of the place and then we uh, I definitely think me. helicopter cover is the way the problem with the jet yeah is it's that, too precise no well it's not just that it's that um, so that base is anti-air guns won't pick up a helicopter for some reason they don't shoot down a helicopter but they immediately shoot down that fucking jet oh, it's so annoying because they're, they're so much fun to be in yeah god damn it yeah 
yeah, so, um, hmm. But, like, um, some of the gun running missions were good, too. Like, um, I don't know about the, the one that you and Hatfield were doing something else, and I was in the car with rockets that fired rockets. That oh, yeah, 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 that was good. Yeah, because, that, that, I mean, that's one of those classic ones where it is just about, you know, one person is given a fun toy and told to protect everybody else, and you have this moment where, like, because I'm inevitably the driver during that, <laughs> <laughs> or flying a helicopter or something. And you just sort of, you're going on your business, you are, like, obviously imperiled, but then explosions happen, and, you know, your mates save the day, and that's... Yeah. That's just a very good loop, both, like, as a gameplay thing, but also emotionally, just like, way we did it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's, I, I think I'm, I'm going to persevere. I'd, mm. like to, I'd like to get some of the better upgrades, better vehicles and stuff like that, like, um, still considering whether to actually just buy a helicopter or like save up for one of the really fancy vehicles but um yeah getting around that world as easy as possible would be nice i still don't yeah. know why it's such a big deal to not to have like um fast travel system in it like there is i think there is like if you're a ceo you can get a quick ride back to your office for five thousand dollars okay but oh, god damn it really yeah really, i don't think yeah. probably not in all instances like fair enough you've got to drive to a mission area or something yeah, but like yeah. just going back to your house your hideout or like the bunker or something to do the admin bits yeah would well, be really nice if you like when you joined a game if you hit join friend on a server it said do you want to spawn where your buddy mm. is and like to spawn in the car next to them or in their apartment or wherever they are like just just to just be nearby that sort of like quality of life yeah improvement um, the game needs a lot of that i think yeah no it needs a lot of that all um, right but there's some cool stuff it's yeah yeah, so it's good sort of. It is, yeah, and it's it's definitely changed what GTA will be in the future. There'll be way less emphasis on the single player, I think, in the way mm. they reveal these games. Quite possibly, yeah. Yeah, like my little brother has never ever played. I think I talked about this on the podcast last time. Never played the uh, single player of GTA once, but he's played like hundreds of hours GTA Online. That's it now for people, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. Also, wait. if Rockstar's listening to this, more heist missions. Just what? just do a few more heist missions. Yeah, it's or, fine. Or even like more mission chains with good, you know, good little things that happen. But the heists are great. Take like you know, five day five days worth of the resources you earn from shark cards, <laughs> and just give that to <laughs> a team within your company to make some more heist missions. What's the plane that? What was the mission where we I had to land that black plane on the beach? That was amazing. Was that in GTA Online? I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. I think that was. What was that heist mission? I think it might have been a regular one actually, like a Lamar style chain, something like that. It might have been like one of the setup heist missions or something. I yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember exactly, that was but terrific. I think I remember what you mean. Yeah, there's there is just some really good stuff there. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah, they were good. Yeah, we'll face. They were very all over the place in terms of difficulty spikes, but. Yep, and not and to mention when one of us, when I got booted from the server and we went back in, it didn't checkpoint us it where we were. Checkpoint you we if someone gets booted. Yeah, like uh, all those the checkpointing things. is just bad. Again, it's like there's the core of something really good that is worth playing with, but just a lot of, a lot of little things assaulting you as you, yeah, as you try and have a good time. There's like an hour of my time I wish I could get back every time we play it. <laughs> For every four hours, an yeah. hour I wish I could have back. Um, okay, cool. I'll move on to questions then, Phil. Is that because um, we've not played anything else? We've not played anything else. What, why haven't we played anything else? What happened there? Well, you've been camping, haven't you? I've been camping. You nearly died of sunburn. I, I nearly died. And then I came back from dying and I couldn't face like moving or <laughs> uh, really doing much of note. So yeah, I just like watched hours of Deadliest Catch on Now TV. What is Deadliest Catch? Uh, it's uh, 
it's a television documentary series about um, fishermen or right. crab fishermen in the Bering Sea uh, in <laughs> off Alaska, uh, and they just fish for crabs, Sam. Well, this is why I guess this is why Octo Dad was called Dadliest Catch, right? That is yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. See, my only way into this is through video games. You know, you're not aware of Dadliest Catch. No, I have. I have heard of it, but like, um, it was. Is like, it still on the telly? Yeah, it's still going. Uh, they're like. 14 seasons in or something how big are the crabs like how i mean what oh there's some big they're literally called king crabs the first sorry the first catch of the season like the first (laughs) couple of weeks of the season they're going after the red king crabs right they have some big crabs they're actually (laughs) monsters they look disgusting well which season are they on now then uh because now tv tells you what season you're on right so is it like what oh sorry i mean like sorry Within the season, the episode, the television season, there's also just seasons of fishing. Oh, right. Okay. So the first couple of weeks is the king crab season. And okay. then they move on to the baradine season. And then the OP season. Okay. There's a lot of types of Does, crab. By and OP, they want a do you lot mean, of them. Do you mean fish that are OP overpowered? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, level 99 sea bass. <laughs> um, okay, well, I've. Uh, uh, note that down. Episode title. <laughs> Uh, well, okay, so but how many seasons of the show are there on? There? Like, uh, like probably thirteen or fourteen. But, and um, on Now TV, there's probably about five or so still available. But what I'm saying is, that what, what do you put in season one that's not already in season four? That's all not also in season four. Okay, so this is uh, all right. If we're going to do this, we're going to do, do this. We're going to do this before we move on to questions. If you right. if you don't want to listen to this, skip forward ten minutes. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> While we sort this out, like a, a very sort of. A trope of American TV seems to be like very repetitive templates. Hmm. Uh, I mean, sort of semi-documentary TV, and at least very repetitive template through which like a soap opera kind of drama is told. Yeah. So, yes, a lot of a lot of the moment-to-moment drama in um, Deadliest Catch is about whether the pots that they're bringing up will have the crabs in them or will not have the crabs in them. Oh, right. And they do, like, the full who wants to be a millionaire, like, fucking... Music. And... Well, not the music, but the anticipation where it's like, they're pulling it up, they're pulling it up, and then they cut to people's reactions as they're sort of peering over the boat to try and see how many there are. <laughs> and the, the, like, the reactions will like, last 10 or 20 seconds, even though... You, as they were pulling up, you could see it was right there, and it was like oh, you were editing this for, to really try and maximise the drama out of it. And then it'll be either "Way, there's crab, we're having a good time," and then like the captain will launch into some sort of spiel about how crab fishing relates to life and what life lessons are. <laughs> well, there's a lot like, of that. That sounds like some bullshit. That These salty bit. boys, they've got some wisdom to. <laughs> is that the name of impart. the? Is that the name of the boat, the Salty Boys? Or I wish like it was. Yeah. Okay. Um, there are multiple boats. They're all in competition and stuff. Oh, uh, really? Okay. The, uh, and that's, that's, that's the other part of it. All of these interlocking dramas between different captains and deckhands and stuff as they move between boats. Wow, and it's like Cloud Atlas or something. Then there was one in the season I've just watched because we've just sort of started from the start of Now TV and we're going through. And I'm going to have to stop at some point. Like, it's going to be like when I uh, started sessioning um, Hell's Kitchen USA. Right. And it was like really entertaining for a bit because of how awful everybody was. But then the template, like the, the, the formula sort of hit me in the face and i couldn't do it anymore right so right now there's this whole arc about like elliot this one guy captain of whatever his boat the saga that was it the saga yeah what is it like a little boat with a little dirty boat that catches fish it's 
a reasonable size boat. It's quite fancy. It's an all right boat. It, all right. It's quite old. Like uh, most of these are thirty years old and they fucking fall apart all the time. <laughs> like propellers, they hit a big wave and their propeller will just drop off. And so it's they like make a lot of drams out of that. That's a sh- yeah. That's because uh, the Bering Sea is very dangerous with like four foot story waves and it can't be that bad if it's story a wave. bloody like MTV camera sorry it's not MTV is it <laughs> no it's the Discovery Channel like, you know. I like think they're Paris prepared to accept sea. a little bit more danger from there <laughs> yeah fair enough um, okay yeah so propellers break and then yeah. one dude got his hand mangled off by the fish bait machine it was gross so what's going on with Elliot then anyway Elliot he was like he went to rehab the season before and we all thought it was going to be like heart lifting oh he's he's off the drugs it's it's all good oh right I thought you meant he went to rehab for fish like he was eating too much monkfish <laughs> or something he had to be <laughs> I detoxed I don't think they do fish detox put you onto a sea bream diet <laughs> I'm making light of a man's, a man's struggle with drugs. Yeah, because like this season, he was he was back on the drugs, and they were trying. He was trying to hide it for a while, and he was like, he was doing it all away from the camera crew. But the camera crew were picking up little hints of it, and they kept dropping in. And you're like, oh, that's a bit weird. What's going on there? And eventually, like he's just having full conversations, saying, if you mention my drug habit to the camera crew, like they're catching it like behind the doors. They're secretly recording. And he's like, I'll fire you off this boat and everything. And the morale went mad, and it was ah, oh, it was a mess. It was what? amazing drama. <laughs> well, presumably he had to sign off on them like talking about his drug problems so how much of that is manufactured versus it's uh, it's always very hard to tell um like i think he reached the point anyway where it was so obvious because he'd pissed the crew off so much because he literally wasn't in a state to drive his boat so somebody had to do that for him right. while he just acted like an idiot on desk deck and there was so many people that most of them just sort of cracked and said yeah it's all of the drugs he's doing that is why he's <laughs> like this and they were just outright saying it and he was getting increasingly angry and it oh Wow. So I mean, I, well, I, I, I mean, I, I, I sort of get the urge for junk TV every now and then. And this is the thing, like it's, it's in that kind of ice road truckers. Hmm. Yeah, the, Catfish the, the TV series. Yeah, there is That's a, the one I got into. There's a whole genre where it is like trash TV mixed with documentary mixed with soap opera mm. about usually about you know very salty men doing hard labor mm. in dangerous conditions yeah. and yeah there is it's, it's a nice combination of those three things which makes it quite compelling well, that's interesting. For now. Well, I've been, by contrast I've been watching The Handmaid's Tale oh, which see, is yeah, about that's... it's like the opposite of that I think yeah um, yeah, it's very hard-hitting uh, dystopian drama. That's actually too sad with, for me to talk like about. With like a real message and stuff like that. Well, there's a message there. It's uh, you know, get Elliot off the drugs so he can yeah, I have guess a so. good time with his salty boys. If, if, you're going, <laughs> if you're going to catch in a boat, don't be on the drugs. <laughs> well, that's a good lesson. They should make a game out of that. They should make like a like a first-person narrative game about being filmed by a documentary crew while on a boat. That would actually be a good game. Is like trying to do illicit things while a documentary crew is filming you, and how do you? How do you organise things so that you're not caught? You've got you can do things like um, you've got to organise. Uh, you, you've got to think about ratings versus the safety of your crew. Like, yeah. If like you make make sort of Johnson your um, cabin boy, I don't know if they have those. Sorry, <laughs> I know nothing about boats. No, no, this is good. This let's is say, good. Keep going. Let's say he puts his hand in some machinery and that makes ratings go up like a million week on week. Like, but you've also you ma- got to pay like for his medical bills and yes. stuff. So you've got it's like a bit of like money management, right? So you've yeah, you've got you've got to keep your crew alive, but how far would you let the drama go in oh, order man. to like 
like would you push someone from deck to be eaten by like a you know a, a giant eel in any people do they but you know just some large uh, this is creature. good yeah, yeah i think this would be good like manufacturing a fake documentary series yeah oh, that'd and be like a great like yeah a little tycoon game type thing that would be really good actually yeah whether it's boats or not i don't know but well, it doesn't need to be oh you, you know there could be all sorts well they... the kitchen one there's the dangerous trucking one yeah there's the catfish one where you've got to kind of ruin people's lives a little bit in order to tell the story, but it's probably not true, so it's fine. Have you I seen did... Catfish, the TV series? I haven't. I haven't seen that one. That's not about fish, sadly. Oh, it, what? It should be, but it's not. Um, did you see the film? No. It's the one where there's uh, a guy who thinks he's in love. I know what Catfish is out. about because Catfish has become a... Oh, yeah, 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 of yeah. course, yeah. It's the term for it now. It's a term, yeah. Yeah, um, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like a cheaper version of that film, which is quite an effective, you know, obviously fake documentary. Mm. Um, and all of these ones are quite... They're trying to have some quite uplifting messages, even though some of the people, like, tracking people down are a bit like, oh, maybe you should just get on Match.com, mate. Or, yeah. Know, get on Tinder. Just go get laid, it'll be fine. You know, <laughs> or, just, or just watch something rude on the telly. It'll be, it'll be okay. Um, but yeah, um, that's my kind of uh, every now and then indulgence film. Should we move on to the questions? Yeah, yeah, before I start talking about shipping wars or something. <laughs> um, does that involve any actual wars before we move on? No, it's like Storage Wars. It's in that sort of brand, but it's even faker somehow. It's... Oh, God, Storage Wars is the worst. I know some people really love that. Some people really like that. There's, shipping Wars is like the trucking variant of it where they've bid to... What? No, I shouldn't. To find I what's should... in a truck. No, 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 no. no. To, they, they bid on... Um, deliveries that people want doing so they're like independent contractors who are bidding against each other to take somebody's fucking 2,000 duck decoys to <laughs> Oregon. Yeah, sorry, where Solid Snake can find them or Hitman can find yeah, them. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and okay. um, so that was a thing that happened. All right, <laughs> and well. then most of them are bad at it and it's like, oh, that's funny. One guy let a... a there was one sequence where a guy bid, the complete rookie one, they've always got a complete rookie one. And Jarrett, the rookie. Jarrett? Jarrett. What, first name Jarrett? Want a bid to, yeah, first name Jarrett. Want a okay. bid to America. I don't know. <laughs> Want a bid to um, transport two live monkeys uh, <laughs> across the country. And the guy he was giving him realised he was a bit of a head case and was like, whatever you do, don't let the monkeys out <laughs> of the thing. And then he realised that... He let the monkeys out, didn't he? Well, so this is a guy who sleeps in his van, and he realised that <laughs> sleeping in his van with two monkeys, even if they're in cages, probably isn't good. So he tried to check into a motel or something, but none of them would accept... Like, even the ones that would accept pets, when he went, their monkeys would hang up on him. Right. You know. <laughs> Couldn't he just, like, sleep in the cabin? So he snuck them into a hotel... <laughs> What mon- live monkeys? Live, live monkeys. He stuck their cages into the hotel, and so like he gets them up there, and they're just making loads of noise. And like his neighbour, in the, the guy in the next room over, started banging on the wall, going, "What's the noise in there?" So to calm them down, he lets them out. He opens the cage, and then there's just two monkeys loose in the hotel. And you just think that like no one is actually this stupid. This is the fakest thing that has happened in any documentary I've watched. It's it. very entertaining, but none of these decisions are things that an adult human would do. Or indeed that a film crew would allow to happen well i mean the monkeys way, can be very dangerous that is true yeah um but uh, yeah they're only small but okay right they were bouncing around they were knocking everything over lamps were smashed mess was made noise happened and then right. the manager kicked him out and he was like why would you even do this um, well, i don't understand like why if he had the monkeys in cages in his lorry why couldn't he just sleep in oh, there too if they're if they're going to be in the hotel with him anyway well, this is the thing. 
why didn't you leave the monkeys in the van yeah. and go to the hotel on yourself? Wake yes. up at 3 a.m. Feed them. Because he's the rookie. He's not like one of the you know the dull salty veterans with their fucking yeah. grey hair and glasses and their big rigs and, and they're he's like had a lot of T-bone steak. Mm. Yes. Um, okay. Well, there you go. That's uh, Storage Wars, which is available now. On oh our- shit! This is a podcast <laughs> but, uh, about PC games that we're recording. That's now. fine. We're going to go back to talking about games now, Phil. So oh, that's fine. please. Um, welcome back, people who uh, zoomed <laughs> forward ten minutes. Um, I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Yeah. Here's a question for the pod. I love the chunky, visceral reload uh, sounds and elaborate animations in PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds. The generally weighty feel to the kit is really pleasurable. The crack of a rifle in the distance makes me both crap my pants in panic and spray my shorts with pleasure. Note, those were in inverted <laughs> commas. <laughs> what a like, visceral image. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any other games that stand out to you as having great weapons, reload sounds, and animations? That's from N. Brady Easton. Oh, nice. Yeah, so um, I think the obvious one is like... Doom of late. Doom of late, yeah. The shotguns in Wolfenstein, the new order. Um, I found a lot of, like, um, I found the contrast, because it came out at sort of similar time, between the guns in Doom and the guns in Titanfall 2, very interesting, Mm. because Titanfall 2 goes for a very sort of, it doesn't make the sounds overpowered, like, it makes them very subtle to go in with, like, it's kind of high-tech, whole accuracy type thing. Um, which I found, like, very enjoyable to shoot, but for a completely different reason to why I normally find guns enjoyable to shoot, which is, like, they are Doom slash Wolfenstein monsters. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'd i say, like, I was actually just talking to Phil earlier about, um, in Half-Life, the feel of when you use the gravity gun to pick mm. up a razor blade in yeah. Raven's Home, and whether you, you know, if you shoot it through people, or if you carry it and just run it into enemies to watch them blow apart that is one of the most that's the most satisfying thing you can do in that game in my opinion uh that is a, a great use of that tool and like uh yeah and it, and it feels exactly as you want it to as a player um i uh, really like the mines in uh bioshock 2 you know those ones so you know you can throw mines everywhere mm. and like they all just sort of like clunk and go off like oh, yeah. to um when big daddies are charging you or whatever because that whole game is about setting up traps, traps isn't it? Yeah. and then uh, yeah and then turrets and then people run at you um, and the drill feels really good in Bioshock 2 as well, actually. The um, Big Daddy drill. I'm, I'm fond of that. Um, yeah, that was a good weapon. Fear's got some good guns, good machine guns. Yeah. yeah. Although, it, Fear is, of course, just... The kick. It's all about the kick. Yeah. Yeah. Good kick. Um, Battlefield... Here's a deep cut. Battlefield Bad Company 2 Vietnam's mortar is amazing. The, like, so deep kind of airy thunk that it lets out when you set off a mortar is mm. um, I was working in a pub with my brother when Battlefield Bad Company 2 Vietnam was out we were, were watching Storage Wars no no no, 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 no. don't get reception in Cumbria <laughs> sorry. Uh, anyway sorry Cumbrians <laughs> love you really um, we were so we were just big into that game and um, one like lunchtime service my brother decided to hook it up to the surround sound system upstairs in the living bit and was just playing it and the entire pub just rattled with the sound of bass just that bass intro that you get which itself is pretty spectacular yeah uh, especially connected up to a subwoofer but yeah that mortar holy shit uh, it's good yeah mgs5 has got a good mortar as well actually mm. um and also the um I really like an MGS five when like 
the enemy's enemy camp shoots off a flare to try to light the area out. Just that whole experience of like the noise of it and the yeah. the kind of way it lights the area up. It's kind of a nice sort of oh shit moment as you're trying to rehide yourself away. Yeah, it really is because they're really good at finding you. Yeah, um, but it doesn't feel like implausible. Um, no, no, no. Which is good. Uh, yeah, so that, that's how good the AI is in that game. Um, uh, I really, I've grown very fond, Phil, of the rocket launcher, the homing launcher in GTA Five. That is a, you know, the one we just used to take out choppers and. Oh yeah, the yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Yes, it's a very nice piece of kit. Very good, like the way that the rocket just sort of flies out in, and there's like a circle of smoke, and then it's just off towards the target. Like yeah, uh, that feels really good. Plus the explosions in that game are just really satisfying. Oh, they're great. And it's remember really- that time we went going over to I think it was my motorcycle clubhouse, and we all jumped out of one of the Chinook things or the helicopter. And we're just walking around and we forgot that it was still up in the air just dropping towards us. It just explodes next to my head. Oh, yeah, and I, I saw that and I was like, wow, that was, that was precarious. <laughs> yep. I like that nothing disappears and you always see this sort of chassis of a mm. chopper just like flop around or, you know, that that's really good. Yeah, it's very good at reminding you of what you've done. Yeah. Um, um, what about animations? Animations, mm. as in that was part of the question, wasn't it? Uh, Weapon animations, and we've reload. done sounds a lot. But. I'm trying to think of like good reload animations, like uh, I don't know I can't really. Nothing really comes to mind. Um, oh, I really, of course, Here we go. Max Payne Two. Ah, yeah. Well, the um, those sort of slow mo, three sixty camera panning reloads he does, where he'll just sort of throw two bullets into a shotgun and poof, like mm. that's uh, those are some damn nice animations for sure. The guns feel really good in that game generally. Actually, I think it's just the. the uh, the sound of things in slow mo in that game just really yeah. amplifies the drama of it. And uh, yeah, yeah. How about you, Phil? Uh, yeah, you're right. I can't think of many. Um, again, Battlefield tends to have very good. They the dice are really good at that sort of very premium feeling kind of experience in a multiplayer game with things like things like animation and sound that you know a lot of the times you don't really notice, but mm-hmm. they really are at the top end of that sort of stuff. So they're always good. Um, I'm trying to think, if, I've played so much of TF2, that must have some good reloads, but I can't actually remember any of them, so I guess no. Okay, interesting. All right, mm. uh, so I think we've answered that question pretty. Like, there's some, some good examples there. I was yeah. trying to think of some, some more. Uh, nothing really springs to mind. Like, uh, I don't even remember, I, don't, I must admit, I don't remember many of the guns in Timefall, but I remember it having good shotguns. Uh, yeah, um, I remember really enjoying the shooting, but that is the hardest one for me to articulate. Like after the fact, why I enjoyed it so much, on what guns it was about it. Like I would have to go back it, again and play it and just remind myself what it was about that that I really took to. It almost doesn't need the um, the guns to be like these monsters because so much of the emphasis is on the titans themselves and just running around the environment. So mm. them feeling these light things, we just pop off a few shots and then you carry on running. That's what the game is. That, that yeah. said, the Titans in Titanfall Two have some really good. Um, that's true. They have some really good like superpowers, like the one that's the uh, basically Iron Man like chest laser. The one. chest laser, yeah. That's really good. I can't remember if you do that. In, you can do that in single player as well. I think, can't you? I think. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I think they're in there. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe at set moments or something. I can't. There's not a lot of enforced Titan combat in that game. No, there's not loads. Is no, there? I think they do have the special powers when because um, there's that one where you're in a big war between. Uh, factions of yes. of titans, and I'm sure you have your special powers in that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm. All right. Next question then. Um, actually, well, let's answer N. Brady Easton's other question while we're here, Phil. All right. Um, they uh, asked what our first issue of PC Gamer was. Um, do you remember yours, Phil? Not specifically, I don't think. Um, like, 
I came to the magazine fairly late as a reader, um, by which I mean like it was probably about like 2008. Right. Because um, that was like a period after university where I had got my first like proper salary job. I wasn't just working in shops and things. Hmm. Um, and it meant I was in a position to actually get a PC uh, as opposed to just whatever laptop I had at the time. So I was like, okay, I'm excited about this. We'll check out Steam. We'll see what PC gaming is like these days. Uh, and I went round to the house of a friend of a friend and he had stacks of PC gamers everywhere. Right. So I just looked, was like, oh, I guess this is the magazine you buy when you have a PC. So yeah. I did. And um, one of my fairly earliest like memories of it influencing my purchasing decisions and stuff was... Um, the original Mass Effect review, mm-hmm. which I want to say was Tom Francis, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that made me very excited for a game that, even though it had been out on Xbox, I hadn't really paid any attention to. Yeah. And that was like, oh no, I have to get this. And it was good. Mm, yeah, I paid no attention to Mass Effect at all till, um uh, when I was in the old Imagine office working on Play Magazine, mm. um, which was a fairly miserable experience because the PlayStation 3 was doing badly. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, so basically, whatever console was doing well, your mag was more fun to work on because you yeah. had games. Um, so uh, X360 was the one at the time, and someone was playing Mass Effect, and I just remember seeing uh, Liara talking and like um, in the open world. I think it was in like one of the in one of the planets, and it just I was like, well, oh my god, this looks like a TV show or something. Mm. It's just the colors and the you know, that leap between KOTOR and Mass Effect. Yeah, yeah. Was just huge, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas we had Uncharted, which was obviously uh, good too. But um, yeah, so do you remember what was on the cover of the first issue you read, Phil? Oh, I don't. It was probably like Wrath of the Lich King or A Total War or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I don't. Uh, I'm, I'll probably find out when, if, as you know, we continue to dig into our archives for the magazine issues. Yes, yes. Because um, we... Do we the, uh, permanently on the 2007 at the moment but yeah i don't know how we got locked into that though like we were meant to do it so do you want to know how we got locked into that yeah go on uh it's because 2007 is the first year of magazines that is available on our pdf libraries right. on the server okay uh so anything before that involves going into a room that's actually near our podcast studio which is usually locked and that's yeah. slightly too much effort it's a for step too far, a third yeah. of a page of monitor <laughs> Yeah, I got a load of them out and I regretted it because mm. I thought I have to take these back now and I didn't. They were literally in boxes next to my desk. <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, I remember mine. It yep. was, um, I think I talked about this before on Twitter. So if you follow me on there and I'm repeating myself, I do apologise because it's. You can't apologise for cross media repetition. No, Otherwise, <laughs> we'd be a mess of nothing to say. <laughs> it's true. Um, so I, for, my first issue was the Half Life review issue. Which has this very garish, uh, like red version of the logo on like a yellow background with oh, these kind yeah. of like scorch marks in the wall. Yes, yes, yes. And like it looks extremely nineties, but like it did look like an event cover, you know. I oh, think, for sure. I think sometimes just having a logo like that just makes can make something feel like that, mm. um, and can really jump off and re- you remember it. But I remember just um, reading about. I remember just the tone of the mag really grabbed me. Um, and from there, I read, um, I read, I read the mag kind of nonstop till about two thousand and two, and then my dad couldn't be bothered to upgrade his PC. He wasn't willing to spend cash on it because he wanted to buy a holiday home, um, which is fair enough, I guess. But I was kind of livid because, you know, I remember like Empire Earth really struggling on my old PC and being like, oh, I just uh, this is it for me now. And I came back to PC gaming about 
about 2008 like you did. Mm. Although it was in a reasonably bad state at the time, I thought I remember PC gaming. Yeah, I jumped onto PC gaming in like in earnest once again, like at the lowest point of it, I think. Yeah. So it started turning around again in about 2010, maybe 2009, yeah. you know, like uh, basically 2008 when... was dire straits and often yeah. you can tell that via the covers yeah, <laughs> of yeah. the magazines at the time. It's... Um but it was, it was like Games for Windows Live was yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, I've, I've got lots of classic, uh, good memories of reading uh, classic PC gamer issues. I remember the Tiberian Sun cover that had like just a man's face on it. It was the oh, box yeah. art, like that was really cool. Like the Darth Maul face version, where, which was for the Phantom Menace game, which turned out to be pretty bad. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've uh, yeah, it's it's always been pretty good. Hopefully, yeah. people feel that way about the issues I've worked on, but who knows? Yeah, it's weird because like it's hard to track. I, you you possibly even more aware of that the kind of overall tone of the mag when you're just a general reader like we're yeah. aware of the tone of the mag but it's kind of hard to see how it, to remember how it's charted over the years whereas i remember a very distinct like change in tone of official playstation magazine when i was reading that back when it was uh opm2 yeah uh when like the ps3 was released and all the staff went on to make opm3 and new staff came in for opm2 and they didn't like res whereas the original staff really liked res <laughs> and i was like you guys don't really, you don't really get me anymore, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I think our boss Tim Clark was on the um, PS3 mag at the time as well. Yeah, um, yeah, and that was it was a very nice looking, sort of serious looking. It did feel adult, mag. which I think drew me to it as like a young teen at the time. It was like it was probably a bit like above my my maturity level, but you know, yeah. you sort of want to feel like you're part of the adults gang at the time so. that's how i thought about um do you remember the earliest days of opm2 do you remember that i can't remember when i was jumped on it um like it was back when they it did was possible the earliest days like it was still actually no i think i did pick up the earliest issues of opm2 just because i wanted a ps2 at the time yeah even that's... though i could not afford one i remember buying the issue with dante on the cover for the original devil may cry mm. and like um knowing that I really wanted one hoping my parents would buy me one because GTA 3 that was the only platform that had GTA 3 and that yeah. was the game at the time obviously um, but yeah yeah, that was, a, that was a very good sort of serious toned magazine yeah. for a while then it got a bit sillier but then yeah it's uh and I, I like silly too, you know. It, it's good. it comes in, comes in, uh, yeah. Swings and we'll see. We'll see how your uh, version of PC. Well, this is it. Yeah, like how how will readers react to the change from you and me? I'm really, I'm quite livid by how good your next cover sounds. Like that's a that's a good lot of stuff. It's good. I mean, the feature section is coming up well. The actual cover. Whew, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it'll be, it's gonna be an interesting though. one. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, it'll be really good. All right. Um, so next question then. Um, uh, this is a good one. I question for the the next pod. Did you ever play a game in preparation for an upcoming sequel, then skipping said sequel because it turned out way worse than anticipated? Two personal examples I remember are Castlevania: Laws of Shadow and The Neverhood. That's from Chris eighty six on Discord. Thank you. Um, I have an example for this. Go for it. It's sort of not quite what you're saying, but I played. I thought I'd replay Deus Ex: Human Revolution. Sorry, yeah, Human Revolution before Mankind Divided came out. Right. And all it really did was make me realise that Human Revolution wasn't quite as lavish or good as I remember. It was a very good game, very fun, but I kind of regretted playing it again, and that I'd over Deus Ex'd myself. Mm. Sounds like something Tobias would say, the rest of development. Um, and so that when the new one came out, and it turned out to be not be mind-blowing, I didn't really fancy it. Right, yeah. I haven't played it since, yep, it came yep, out yep. a year ago, you know. Uh, so yeah, that's an, an example of that happening. But um, I tend not to replay the games that much anyway now 
Mm. But um, because there's just no time, there's always too many games. How about you, Phil? Like, I tend to let sequels remind me that I hadn't played the previous game in the series that everyone talks about at the time. Right. So I didn't play. So I played the original Witcher when The Witcher Two came out, and I think that did put me off the series for a bit. Because I, I mean, I sort of enjoyed The Witcher, but so much of it was just a bit guff. Yeah. Uh, like it wasn't the sort of all-encompassing amazing rpg narrative experience that a lot of people were treating it as i actually found its world to be a bit nasty just in a kind of it seemed like there was no hope like everything you did like sort of game of thrones you net whatever you do you're kind of fucking everybody over sort of thing and oh, i just couldn't be bothered with that i yeah. think the tone of it has improved a lot over the various games of the series like how far that series has come is quite remarkable to me still it's crazy isn't it? but then yeah it wasn't until the witch 3 was sort of coming out that um i played the witch 2 properly and then again i sort of needed a break so i didn't get onto the witch 3 until maybe half a year to a year after that came out yeah it's uh, same with dragon age actually uh i didn't do awakenings which was the origins expansion yeah uh, I, I, I don't think good. i think i've ever played that actually I did that around about when Dragon Age 2 came out and then I didn't play Dragon Age 2 until like just before Inquisitions came out and then I had to play Inquisition because I reviewed it but I was playing a lot of Dragon Age in a row at that point that's fair enough I've played every Dragon Age expansion except for uh, minus Inquisition except for um, Awakenings like I did the terrible Darkspawn Chronicles one. Oh, Return to Ostagar and all those slightly average the, the, ones the, a lot of bad Leliana's song that was bad as well it was pretty bad um, wasn't there like one good DLC for Dragon Age one. Uh, I think it was Awakenings was the one good one. I, I thought there was one in addition to the expansion, but I could well be wrong. Um, I, I, I mean, there's a Stone Prisoner that gives you Shale. Yeah, um, I, I might be thinking of like Mass Effects or something. There's always like a very a hodgepodge of them with Mass Effect, where like there's always one or two you should probably play. But yeah, Mass Effect was much more consistent. Um, two, I think Dragon Age 2's expansions were, were all pretty good. Mm. Um, particularly uh, the one th- those I didn't play because I had to move straight onto Inquisition. That's right. Which turned out to be a mistake because you know a lot of that stuff comes up again in Inquisition. Yeah, although to be honest, I played Legacy, which is the one that Inquisition references, and I I don't fucking remember that guy <laughs> when he turned up, where his name was. Uh, That's fair enough. Like he was just a cackling cor, cor something, Cornelius. Yeah. yeah, something like that. The Japanese electric DJ. <laughs> so yeah, uh, you kind of it's it's there's always so dense that it's hard to keep track of any of that stuff. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I do it with any games mm. coming up. Like um, I, I did try and any... play a bit more Star Wars Battlefront. Uh, to try some of the single player stuff that I had skipped um, but that was that's alright I'm but, sure as uh, soon yeah. as everybody's raving about Pillars of Eternity 2 it will remind me that I should play Pillars of Eternity that's a, that's a mere 50 hours of game for yeah this is the problem it tends to be RPGs because they're all so goddamn long yeah uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it's it's frightening. Um, okay, I increasingly find myself using GOG instead of Steam out of fear of losing my games if Valve get hit by a meteor or something. Is this rational or am I just a bit too tinfoil hatted? Uh, that's from Richard Thorne on Twitter. Thank you. You can tweet us at PC Gamer Pod with your questions. Um, and meteors can happen. Um, right. I actually thought about this today before I got this question. Yeah, and I thought that I thought that if Valve for some reason was to delete my profile or whatever, at least I would have a fairly good repository of things to play on GOG and you play in Origin. Mm. Enough to keep me going for like a year or something. It would still hurt, surely. Like, oh, yeah. yeah like, it's just thousands of pounds Christ. of investment. GOG yeah. investment. That's a terrible term for it. But you know, like <laughs> um, wasted money on yeah. uh, on silly nonsense. Um, yeah, because I think I've got close to a thousand games and it's just, I'll never play them all, but um, 
I do have them. I'm sure there was. I remember the line like uh, uh, Valve did say at some point, and God knows how far back in the archives you have to dig to find it. It's like it told. I think told PC Gamer that they, you know, they have a contingency plan in case something catastrophic happened. I wonder how true that actually is, <laughs> because no one's really pushed them on it. No. And they've never said what it is. They haven't even updated the Steam client in years. Yeah, years. so <laughs> it's an old creaky bit of software that is. <laughs> but so how? Yeah, how good is this apocalypse yeah. proof? I mean, you know? at least Gog's DRM free thing means you can just hide everything in a bunker, an underground bunker on some CDs. You can yeah. just download <laughs> and burn the EXE files onto some CDs, and yeah, you'll always have your copy of Deus Ex: Invisible too. War. <laughs> I do own that on GOG, yes. Yes. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, um, that was one of the first games I bought on there for some reason. You'll never lose that copy of the Elder Scrolls 2 Daggerfall. <laughs> I think it's uh, nice to have your game spread over a few different clients just for that purpose in case anything does happen. Yeah, the problem is when you've got so sort of. When you've got a bad memory and a lot of games and you can't remember if you already own a game on one or the other and you can't be bothered to check and you sort of <laughs> buy it in an impulse sale and you're like, oh, I did already own KOTOR 2 on Steam. Yeah, I've che- I have I do check that, actually, but I've, <laughs> I think I've made a couple of similar errors. And then you're like, oh, I own, like, Neverwinter Nights 1 on GOG and Neverwinter Nights 2 on Steam and you're like, well, that's just... that's How, how is that a workable system? <laughs> well, I, but also it doesn't matter because I'm never going to play Neverwinter Nights 1 or 2, so... yeah. Uh, most of the uh, most of the uh, old games I own are on GOG actually because you can be more certain that they'll just work off the bat. Yeah, like the, the, I guess the work put into actually you know making them work properly on Windows 10 is very helpful. Very important, I think. Because um, Steam again does have a habit of being completely hands off and just letting you shatter thing up there. Yeah, uh, it's illustrated today actually by I'm playing Star Wars games to this list feature that I've, I've been writing. And Rebel Assault 2, which is a 24-year-old game, says, oh no, 22-year-old 20, game, mm. um, just worked off the bat on GOG. Oh, nice. Force Unleashed came out in 2011. Uh, sorry, Force Unleashed came, 2 came out in 2010. And um, I tried to play that in... It took uh, five different compatibility modes before one Ooh. got past the opening LucasArts logo of the game. Oh, shit. And that was just because someone on Steam, the Steam forums, had a solution for it. It was like, you just need to have Windows XP3 compatibility mode. And 256 like, colors. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you know, it worked. But, and, it, and it ran fine. But, um, yeah, it's that sort of... You kind of just want it to work off the bat. Like, um, I've had so many good experiences with GOG games where you just put them on and yeah. controller support is enabled for a game that came out 20 years ago. And it's like, fair play. You know? yeah. yeah. So, yes, you're, you're right. Yeah, it's fair enough. Like, I mean, maybe not because of the Meteor Strike thing. But, uh, yeah, it's no, it's nothing wrong with having, like multiple secure platforms it's very true i um i i too feel have made some foolish retro purchases recently um, oh yeah i bought both freedom force games oh, when will i play yes a rationals uh superhero uh sort of like strategy thing rpg thing um yes i impulse bought them many years ago yes. on another sale and it's like yeah i still haven't played them and won't yeah, and I always want to think, oh, I do, because I remember there's quite an extensive create your own superhero gang thing in that. Um, mm. But uh, nope, it's not going to happen. Um, okay, question for the pods. Quite a long one, but a very good question. Mm. Um, what do you think about the future of what I've come to call Ever Games? Primarily multiplayer games that have no definitive endpoint and rely on a large part of their audience to continuously play them throughout their life cycle. 
I asked because recently Gigantic came out, another ever game, and despite being very interested in its premise, I'm ultimately foregoing it. Not because of any failing on the game's part, but simply because I, ha I have too many ever games in my life already. Overwatch, uh, PUBG, Duelist, um, and Splatoon. And I don't think I could fit any, any more in, other than Destiny 2 later in the year. It seems to me like there are more of this sort of games around than ever before, and I can't be the only one facing this dilemma. Do you think games of this nature are going to have to face an uphill battle moving forward solely for not being out first and securing a slice of your life? That's from Dream Daddy. Um, so I have thoughts on this film. Um, I Hit me up. I think it's going to largely... There's sort of, I think some of those... There's a bit of like blurring there between the types of games they're talking about. So okay. Duelist is a CCG. It's a card game, right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, that's I think that's on a slightly different trajectory. Um, although, I think a lot of these genres are subject to the same kind of rules, which would be that um, probably I think they probably follow the what happens with MMOs, where a lot of them try and like a lot of them go away, and much as like the division will try to be a destiny-ish thing and it's kind mm. of kind of gone. Um, even though it's, it sounded like it had it reached a pretty good point by uh, the time it had all been updated, but like I think it will kind of leave two or three leaders in in its kind of genre. So I'm 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 here to I'm talking here about like um, Destiny Two and and Anthem, uh, say and Division and those kind of games more than like um, Overwatch, which is an you know that's an online that's an FPS. Yeah, but I mean I guess you can also see it in things like Overwatch and like Battleborn just didn't seem to take off in the same right, way, yeah. but. I, sorry, you had points. Oh well, uh, well, that's that was largely it. I think that um, a lot of them will die, and then we'll be left mm. with the two or so victors of of that genre. And like, um, I don't, but I don't think that uh, the release date is necessarily that important. I don't think being first or last matters. It's just being the best. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, I sort of wonder. I wonder about like about failure uh, in this instance, like. Because Battleborn, not to pick on it, but uh, I think mean, you know you could easily say Evolve or one of these games as well. But oh yeah, yeah. Battleborn probably, ha I mean, almost certainly hasn't like done what its expectations were. Yeah. But the question becomes like, can you get? You don't need to be Overwatch. You don't need to be drawing in Overwatch numbers to be like. A successful on-running game mm. um, you just sort of need to have enough people that you're profitable and worth persisting with yeah um, I think it's a lot of this is from a development side is just going to be about having the right expectations and I mean the template for this surely is like just what happened to MMOs and uh, everybody who attempted to beat World of Warcraft didn't but has now found success being a slightly different thing, being a free-to-play thing. I guess not everyone does, though, right? Like, not everyone does. Yeah. But, you know, some of them will die. But, like, I think you could look up a lot of sort of MMOs from the past 10 years that you probably haven't heard or thought of, and they're still probably going, and they still have a community, but they're yeah. just a free-to-play thing that sort of just toils away in the background yeah um even like ff uh, ff14's um community i don't think is like massive it's yeah. just like enough for it to be a, a success you know exactly uh it, i mean ff14's community is enough for it to be a successful subscription thing which is impressive i don't think uh guild wars 2's player base is particularly huge i mm. mean the base game is free now so it's 
the numbers is just is impossible to work out. But yeah. as long as it's enough people for it to be a success, you know, it seems to be keeping ArenaNet alive, and they're releasing expansions and things. So yeah, that seems make... to be working out. Yeah. And um, so yeah, uh, I mean, from a player perspective, like yes, there are more of these games than you can play, and. I think at some point, like, you just gotta, yeah, all right, just pick the one you like mm. and persist with it. And if you drop some, I mean, that's fine. Yeah. Even if it's a really good game, you, it's fine if you don't play it. Mm. Uh, that's, I think that's a shift in gaming as a whole that has been weird to come to terms with over the last, like, decade or so. Right. Because there was a period where it, you could pretty m- as a one child and two growing up in, uh, sort of era where there weren't as many games yeah. just because releasing a game was a much bigger thing hmm. like I could play most of the big PlayStation games that came, PlayStation 1 games that came out hmm. especially like the first party stuff the stuff that really got a buzz in magazines and things if there was a big one of them you'd probably play it you just can't do that now no it's actually like it's actually impossible hmm. from the sheer amount of things fighting for your time um yeah, and these these genres are oversubscribed, but that will cool that cool off eventually. Just as like um, military shooters just became COD and uh, uh, Battlefield in terms of like that more mainstream focused. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, uh, again, it's like it's how much do they need because you've got those two, but then around the sides, there's still things Arm like three. Armor and um, Rising Red Orchestra, Rising Storm, yeah, and stuff like that, like. Yeah, that's very true. And uh, plenty of outliers, and there will always be enough people who. Well, they won't always. Some of these are just going to fail badly, but you know, the good ones will get enough people to sort of support them and have a decent community, even if they're yeah, even if they're not drawing in the battlefield numbers. Like Rainbow Six Siege is probably a good example of that. Yeah, I think that's got a decent life ahead of it because it's. I think it found the right community for it. I don't. It probably didn't take off in the way it needed to at launch, or the way they hoped at launch, just because it probably wasn't what a lot of people expected it to be. Yeah. Um, but but it's it held, seems it's held on to what it's got. It seems to like the quality of it seems to be yeah, holding on to a lot of people, and people really enjoy that thing. Um, a lot of a lot of journalists were going on about that quite a lot, like six months after its release. Yeah. Six months to a year after its release. Um, most of them are shut up about it now because they're all playing Battlegrounds, but... <laughs> mm, yeah, so, yeah, there will definitely be some casualties, but uh, yeah. like Phil says, you don't need to be massive to be a hit. Yeah, and, um, yeah, don't stress not being able to play all the games that exist. Get yeah. rid of your back... Delete your backlog. It's going to stress you out. I think so, yeah. There's well, more games than you can play. Just delete it. Enjoy what you play. Yeah, that's why That's why I'm, tend- I'm tending to focus on uh, three or four-hour games now. Um, like and not play Freedom Force. <laughs> not play Freedom Force, yeah, <laughs> which will probably take like 20, 25 hours. Although I, I, I do want to play an Acronox, Phil, to be able to have opinions to share with you on that. Okay, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Because um, I still, I actually, like, I, it's a game that honestly just passed me by completely. And I still only really know there's the game with the Planet Party member yeah. and that really dumb screenshot that you put in the magazine that was um, that made the game look like it was Thunderbirds puppets um, doing melodrama. That's, that's most that's most screenshots from that game. <laughs> Alright, so our last question of the episode is, if real life was a fighting game, which fighter would you choose? <laughs> and what would their super move be? Shit. Um, would it be any of those salty boys from Deadliest Oh, Catch? I bet some of them would, yeah, they could like come in with their hooks, the, the not like Captain Hook style things, but they've got hooks for pulling the parts. They look vicious. You yeah, be um, like a Soul Calibur type thing where you could, it's like a makeshift <laughs> weapon. 
and you can drag a person towards you to yeah. do more to do kicking. Yes. Um, what if Ivy, instead of being like some weird fetish model, yeah. was was a fisherman? <laughs> um, so I didn't quite. I. I was trying to get my head around this question. We had a couple of different readings of this question, didn't yes, we? Yes, I thought it was, if you could be a fighting game character IRL, mm. and you had to beat people up IRL, what would you be? But then you think it's a real-life figure. and I read it as you can take a real-life figure and put them in a fighting game and give them the superpower. Right, okay, wow. Um, oof, I don't know, like, who, who might be good? Um, I sort of... I like the idea of, I don't know, maybe, like... Uh, no, I don't like that idea at all. Uh, I was going to suggest <laughs> maybe like a guitarist who could do music attacks or something, but that's kind of dumb. Uh, who wants to pick the bard in a fighting <laughs> game? Yeah. It's like, the reason you don't see them in fighting games is because they're rubbish. <laughs> Although they put Phoenix Wright in Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, and he's a lawyer. That's he's a, true. He's a lawyer doing some fighting. And Frank, Frank West, who's a photographer. Do we know any lawyers? Uh, no. Lawyers, I don't. No, I don't know anyone who's had that level of professional success. Everyone I know is a sad writer and uh, yeah, <laughs> and just despairs about the future. Which sad writer would be the best in a fighting game? Oh, I don't know. Uh, oh, uh, Rudyard Kipling. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, Edgar Allan Poe, surely. <laughs> Murder of Crows style bird attack by <laughs> Shock Infinite. That's a very good suggestion. I mean, how historical are we going here? Because you could just pick a till of the hunt. He does all kinds of mad shit, doesn't he? <laughs> That's true, I guess. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, just pick the, a legit good fighter. <laughs> yeah, like, but I don't know what their special move would be. You know, like, um, uh, I'm trying to pick, pick something really novel. Um, you could pick um, Usain Bolt, and he could do that um, attack that the Flash does in Injustice <laughs> Two, where he grabs a uh, grabs a dude, runs them, runs really fast, and plows them into the face of the Sphinx, and yeah, then, like okay. then throws them at a dinosaur. Um, he could probably do that because he can run really fast. Got you. So yeah, I, I mean. He's, you know, he he's an athlete. You know, he doesn't. I can't see him joining a fighting game roster, but that might be a good special move. What do you think, Phil? Um, yeah, <laughs> surely, like the entire concept of this question, like the, the this question, the actual answer is welcome to the entire concept of wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do they have super moves in that? In that, I guess uh, they have. They have special moves. They they don't actually have superpowers because <laughs> unfortunately they... physics exists. And, <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, our world sucks. But what about the ladders and stuff that you hit people with? They still do that? Oh, they are. That's that's still there. Yeah, yeah. There's still like choke slams and tombstones and um, just oh, there's a lot. A lot of finishing moves are just a kick to the face, which. <laughs> I mean, you've got to say fair enough, it's really. A classic, it's a classic, isn't it? You know? <laughs> Seems to work. It's vintage. If you kick me in the face, I would probably fall over. So, yeah, all right. <laughs> yep, same, same. I can, I can, I can go there. Um, yeah, okay, so I'm struggling with this one. But I think that Usain Bolt answer is quite good. That was good. Uh, that was a maybe, legit answer. I don't know, maybe you could pick a footballer and they're just sort of like Vinnie Jones or something. And he can both kick the football at them right. and act at them. And then uh, uh, which one takes off more of the health bar? In <laughs> well, Vinnie Jones's case, probably the acting. <laughs> well, the acting is more of a debuff, and right? Then, okay. and, and then a football-based attack does extra damage. Really open up the emotional wounds in preparation <laughs> for. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So that I think that is my answer to that question, Phil. Okay, I've, I feel like I've lost my mind slightly, but yeah, I don't know what's happening. Do we? Yeah. Okay. Should we just end the podcast? <laughs> Just end the podcast. Very good. Um, the next episode will be the first of our two. Uh, actually, have I talked about it to you about the, doing this two? No, this what's what's happening? We could just do it as a one-parter. But I was thinking of 
breaking the top 100 PC Gamer top 100 which is on sale now right uh, in uh, in the UK, UK in the UK and will be in, soon in the US um, of doing a, a commentary of that over two episodes because it's 100 games 100 right. games in like one podcast is a lot but then I suppose it could you be you want to do all compressed. 100 well no I was thinking of doing like I was thinking of doing like one half of the list and the other half. We okay. Can, we can figure this out. But either way, the next podcast will have top 100 related content. Yes. On it, um, and possibly more Deadliest Catch uh, commentary from Phil Savage. Nevermore. No? no? Well, no, I'm going to keep watching it almost certainly. So I yeah. can, can tell you how, how, how all the peeps are getting on. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, um, now there's one. He, he, he reckons he can go and run his own boat. But like everyone's like, hmm. And he gets into a real tissy fit when like ever, anyone ever, someone like says, oh, no, you've got to go do your real job right now. You've got to go be an engineer because the boat's literally breaking. You can't run the boat just yet. Yeah. And he's, he gets really angry. And it's like, Jesus, mate. And like, I know promotions are good, but time and a place. <laughs> Yeah, it's all right for you to say, Phil. You've just become editor of PC Gamer. Yeah, I know, yeah. but I didn't throw like a massive tears when when I wasn't. No, that's that's very true. You Not never... publicly, at least. <laughs> um, okay, good. Well, that seems like a good note to end on. Mm. Thank you very much for listening. Um, you can contact us with questions at what's the email address, Phil? It is uh... PC Gamer at FutureNet dot com. Is it that one? No, it's letters at pcgamer.com. Letters at pcgamer.com. Mark your email podcast in the header. Put um, podcast in the subject for the love of God. So we can look through. We can make sure that you're not just asking us about a RuneScape dog. Yeah, because otherwise you will be lost in all the questions about the RuneScape dog that yes. we're giving away in the magazine. So. Yeah, which, uh, yeah, is on sale now. Mm. Um, and you can also tweet us questions at pcgamerpod. Uh, you can find us on Twitter as well. We're not hard to find. Um, I'm Samuel W. Roberts. Phil is Octada on Twitter. And you can also... There's one other thing. Discord. Discord. Um, if you're a member of the PC Gamer Club, which you can uh, find a link to on pretty much every web page on um, PCG, on the website. It's not hard um, to find. It's not hard to find. You get a digital copy of the magazine, uh, a free game, sometimes some other goodies mm. as well, and also uh, access to our Discord channel. Um, we'd love to have you drop into the UK podcast thread and throw us some questions. Yeah. We always like to hear from you. And if you could leave us a review on iTunes, that'd be good too. Thanks and for tell listening. your friends. Yes, tell your friends <laughs> and your grandparents. Word of mouth, it's really important. That's what other podcasts tell me now. Yes. Yes, yes, <laughs> word of mouth. Mouth words, do, do mouth words. End of podcast. <laughs>